Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues on the topic of Honest Advent. We'll be focusing on light today as we look deeper into John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Let's dig in. One of the classic category errors that Christians have often made over the years is not recognizing that whenever the Bible talks about the Word of God, it's not talking about the Word, the Bible, it's actually talking about Jesus. This is one of the things that sometimes gets into the way of us understanding what a scripture passage means. In fact, for many years, I did this myself, and I've kind of taken it on as part of a goal of mine to help other people understand this as well, because what can happen is, is we can deify or turn the Bible itself into God, into a fourth member of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Bible. Now, I don't mean to say that the Bible is unimportant. No, the, the Bible is wildly important. I, I do believe it's it's inspired. I do believe that there is a, a level of infallibility there in the Word of God. But what I would caution against is making the Bible God itself. And so why do I say that? Well, because oftentimes whenever we come against this idea or this phrase, the word of God in scripture, it's not meaning the Bible. In fact, there was no Bible whenever the Bible was written. These are um, letters, documents, uh, histories, poetry that are written by at least 40 different authors and likely many more because the book of Psalm and, and the book of Proverbs includes writings from other people in addition to the other books. So so we have at least 40 different people who are writing these things that are now compiled together as the Bible. So whatever it says, the word of God in scripture, it's not meaning the Bible as we think of it. And many times it actually is intentionally talking about Jesus himself. Now, why do I say all of that? Well, I say all of that because whenever we come to today's passage, that's going to be a very important clarification because sometimes we'll read this passage in John chapter one and we will think it's talking about the Bible because we hear a word of God and many of us think the Bible, but it's not. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, this is not a classic Christmas Bible passage, but it is one that is oftentimes used at Christmas during that moment where the candles are being lit. Now, the word that in the original language that we translate our Bibles from in Greek is the word logos. 
And that word we understand to mean essentially Jesus. And so you really in this passage could swap out the word word with the title or the name Jesus. Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And so what we get from this is that Jesus is, was, and has always been, as we would expect to be if he is God. This is essentially saying to our ears that Jesus was there and a part of creation. He actually was the one who breathed life into everything. And it's his life, it's Jesus' life that brought light to everyone. Light is um, inexorably woven into this idea of Christmas and Advent. It's why we, why we put lights on Christmas trees like the one there behind me. It's why we light candles because of this verse. We associate light with Jesus, with Advent, and with hope. Why do we associate light with Jesus and hope? Well, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, oftentimes, whenever we talk about this as preachers, teachers, or leaders, we'll talk about this verse and talk about the darkness in the world and, and the darkness before Jesus came, before he was incarnated. We'll talk about sometimes even the darkness in ourselves, the darkness in culture and, and society. But I think that it is so much more complex and so much more beautiful than that. And so what do we do with all of that? Well, one of the things that our author today, Scott Erickson, points out, which I think is beautiful, it's magnificent. And I've not really thought about it before in context with this passage. And so I hope that as you read it, it will be as meaningful to you as it was to me. And that's this basic principle that I am more than others see. Oftentimes we think of light as being good and darkness as being bad. Now, even the Bible oftentimes kind of presents this symbolism in a similar way, that, that light are the good things in the world or the good things in you and the darkness are the bad things in the world or, or the bad things in you. But I think that one of the things that I noticed whenever I was kind of reading through this verse and, and looking through the lens of, of Scott as he was kind of explaining this idea of incarnation and, and what that means in, in association with this. And I hope that you will pick this up and, and read through it to see his perspective. But one of the things that really jumped out to me in this is this idea that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't extinguish it. And that there are parts of us that live in darkness, but there are parts of us that live in darkness that that aren't bad. There are parts of us that we try to hide. There are parts of us maybe that we try to hide not out of fear or that we try to hide of ourselves, not because it's wrong or it's evil or or that God may not like that kind of thing or, or that we're ashamed of. There's parts of us that we hide because we fear. 
There are parts of us that we hide because it feels like it might not be acceptable to other people. There are parts of who we are and how we live that that we don't live publicly with our families or, or with our friends because we fear that we may be judged, that people might get the wrong idea. And so we're never fully who we are. One of the things that I think Jesus came to do, and it may be the thing that Jesus came to do, I know that we talk a lot about salvation, and I, I don't want to downplay the word salvation, but so many fingers have touched salvation that it's hard to it's hard to understand what it what it means and, and it's hard to put it back into the context of what it means in scripture. And so I like to I like to frame it in a different way. And I like to frame it this way that one of the primary reasons that Jesus came was to give us the ability to be fully human, to be fully who we were created to be. If you go back to the Garden of Eden and, and Adam and Eve, uh, one of the things that happens as a part of the story of the fall is that uh, they initially hide part of themselves. They feel shame. They feel guilt. They feel fear. And so they, they don their nakedness. They hide themselves from God. And uh, part of the restoration at the end of the Bible is that God kind of brings Eden back. He sets things back to the default operating system in the world. And we humans are allowed to live fully as we were created to be. I think that part of what Jesus came to accomplish may be the thing that Jesus came to accomplish. And one of the better, if not the best definitions of salvation that I've heard is that Jesus saves us from being something less than we were designed to be. Fully human fully transparent with God, able to walk side by side with him without shame, without fear, without guilt. It may require it may require forgiveness, it may require grace, it may require mercy. And it will require us to bring everything that is in the darkness in ourselves into light. And that's not just the bad things. You see, the light Christ's light should shine into the things in ourselves that we might want to hide or the things that we've just simply not shown to other people. And the darkness, the darkness can't extinguish who you were created to be. Wrestle with that for just a moment, that the darkness of your job, the darkness of broken relationships, darkness of that idiot that you're living with or whom you once lived with who tried to press parts of you into the darkness that they didn't like, the darkness of the world, the darkness of your relationships, the darkness of your profession, the darkness of your fears and of your mind can't extinguish who God has created you to be. And so part of the hope of this season is that you will see that you are more than others see, that you can believe that you are more than others see. They don't see the true you, either because they don't want to or because you may hide in fear of them actually seeing who you are. And so Scott makes this statement, which I think is brilliant. Who we are is deeper than where we find ourselves in this moment. 
this understanding and acceptance of ourselves could radically change the trajectory of this December for each and every one of us. If we would face the fact that we are deeper than where we find ourselves in this moment, you are deeper than the struggles in which you are currently facing. You are deeper than the fears in which you currently feel. You are deeper than the perceptions of other people and who they believe you to be. And Jesus illuminates that deeper identity. This is the power of the presence of Jesus at Advent and Christmas, is that you are more than the light in the world currently sees. You are more than you currently are willing to show. There are parts that we hold back in darkness for whatever reason. And Jesus is here, part of his salvation, or maybe the primary part of salvation for us is that Jesus illuminates that deeper identity. Darkness can never extinguish those pieces of you, but Jesus can. And if you let him, Jesus certainly will. That, I hope, for you is part of the expectation of Advent, that you will be able to be, have the strength, the courage, the bravery to be who fully who Jesus fully designed you to be, that you will be able to experience an honest advent. This Bible study on honest advent is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ's Table are committed to doing something about that. We are committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission? That's simple. To help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate... We have a resource box that we want to send you in the mail as our thanks, and trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on Honest Advent. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well, www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.